Well, welcome everyone. I'm grateful that y'all are here this evening, um, especially given that many of you are in the throes of finals week. Um, I want to introduce to you our preacher tonight, Pastor Siobhan Green. She is a Louisiana Tech uh, alumna with a BS in Applied and Natural Sciences. She's an Arkansas native. We have at least one other of those here. Uh, in 2017, Siobhan joined the staff of Christ Church in North Louisiana as their first African-American female pastor. Prior to joining that team, she served as a mentor and leader in the young adult ministry of Christ Church um, for nine years as a volunteer. During her first two years of full-time ministry at Christ Church, she was a young adult pastor working with folks like y'all. And in 2016, she completed her ministry certificate with the Destiny Leadership Institute and was licensed and ordained as a minister under the Destiny Church and Ministers Network in 2018. When we met Siobhan last year, she was serving as the discipleship pastor at Christ Church. And Pastor Siobhan, uh, this is not like on her list of accolades, we're not that important, but I can just testify to the fact um, that she was easily one of the most incisive speakers we've had over the years at Race Talks. Um, last year, she came and spoke for us. You can listen to the recording of her talk from last year, as well as the discussion that followed that, um, her, her talk last year on our podcast. She's got a sweet podcast coming out soon, which is called That's Real Life. It's not out yet, um, but I can already tell that it's going to be the deal. Um, is it Rashawn? Is that your name? This is her husband, Rashawn. He also is the deal in a variety of ways, has an incredible story of ministry in Monroe and other places, is also apparently a, a pretty amazing barber uh, in Atlanta and doing all kinds of cool stuff. If you ever get a chance to, to hear his story, just a little bit of it tonight that I heard is inspiring. Um, since, she, since she was last year, as I've already kind of mentioned, Siobhan got married to this guy and moved to Georgia, where she is now an itinerant preacher, which means, among other things, that she traveled all the way from Georgia to be at our meager um, gathering this evening, um, which I'm really grateful for. It's very generous of her to do that. Um, so let's give thanks for Siobhan. And I'm going to say a brief prayer. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us uh, abundantly in the midst of our gathering right now. We pray for Pastor Siobhan, especially for your anointing upon her. We ask that you would anoint our ears and our hearts as we receive what she has to preach to us tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would make our gathering fruitful for a harvest for your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <sighs> wow, I'm so glad to be here. A lot of life has happened, and that was just in the bio, just in life in general. The last time I came here, I wasn't even seriously dating anybody, so you know God be moving real fast. <laughs> and I praise him. Um, so for those of you who um, haven't met me before, uh, as he said, I am Siobhan Now Green, and I am so passionate about young adults. Uh, that's why when I first became a pastor, young adult ministry was my first Ministry was my first heart and passion. And I remember coming to Tech as a student, knowing that I would have wanted to be connected to people who were faithfully serving Christ. But unfortunately, I found the people who were in the world first, who just were really friendly and made me feel like home, right? And during that journey, I strayed away from God, not because um, of any big moral issue, it was more so I wanted to chart my own way. 
I wanted to see if the, the God that my parents talked about was somebody I really wanted for myself. And along that journey, I just got lost. I got lost in life. I got lost in relationships and all the things. And when I came out of it way more broken and confused than when I began, I realized that young adults need a place to be known, to be loved, to be reminded that yes, what looks tempting to you right now may seem fun, but the pain that it leaves you when you're done <laughs> is not worth it. And, and so what's cool about kicking the devil in the teeth when he feels like he can ruin your destiny based on your mistakes is that he'll let you be a leader in the community where you didn't have one. He'll let you have your story restored by restoring other young people and keeping them from making the same mistakes that you may see. A lot of times we think that the way that we live life is lost because there's failure in it. And a lot of times that is your ticket to bring somebody else out. That is the way that you show people, here is life. I've tried both sides, and I can tell you, this way is much better. So for the place that once brought me shame and reminded me of how far I fell away from God, it now began to be the place that I raised up more young people to be on fire for God. And I showed the enemy very quickly that his tactic against me didn't work. And I was grateful for the opportunity that all cultures of people were able to be under my leadership, even as a woman, and it was so humbling to know that God would use the one who almost messed it up, you know? And so I just want to encourage you, because tonight's message is called Divine Interruption. I want you to feel the conviction of God if he's calling you to do something that seems unconventional. If he's asking you to be bold enough to share your story of where you went wrong but God got it right with you, do that. Because every divine interruption is so much more of a joy to experience than anything we could plan for ourselves. And, and so not to go too much into it, I'm pretty sure I will because I might cry. Um, <laughs> during the holidays, I was back in the story of Jesus. And I don't know if you do this in the holidays. You go back to the story, a Christmas story, and you're looking for something. And you're like, let me just see what I can find in the Christmas story. And as I kept looking and kept looking, I found uh, in Luke chapter 1, we're going to get into it, um, that the birth of Jesus is foretold, but there's someone who has a divine interruption. There's someone who has a life trajectory already planned out. But God has other plans. My challenge to you as you listen to me uh, share the encouragement that I got from young Mary, are you willing to let God divinely interrupt your life? There's a little bit more context to that, but this story reminds me of how God is really good at showing us an example of what he does throughout human history when he wants to get our attention. He uses all means necessary to wake us up and shake us up and invite us into something greater. But just like the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, I think we like comfort and convenience more than conviction. See, we read that story all the time, and we can see exactly why the rich young ruler was struggling with his divine interruption when Jesus comes into his life. It wasn't because of the money. I believe that it was because of his security. He realized, if I sell everything that I have and give to the poor, I become poor. I become the person that can't chart the course of my life anymore. I actually have to place my trust in Jesus and not what I've known. I'm actually more comfortable with the money even when it runs out than to let it go to see what God would have for me. Mm -hmm. 
And that convicted me. And I thought, how many times have I missed a divine interruption because my convenience was more important than my conviction? How many times have I passed that person on the street where I felt in my heart I was supposed to say something to because I feared more being misunderstood than being obedient? And I ask myself, even today, how many more divine interruptions will you miss out of fear, disqualification, feeling inferior, feeling like you don't know what to do or what to say? And then, just when I think I have enough excuses, God brings me to a 14-year-old girl who had a divine interruption. See, I don't think we ever think about her story in context. Mary had her whole life planned out. Mary knew exactly who she was going to marry. She knew exactly where she was going to live. She had every aspect of security that anyone could think of. Her reputation is intact because she's a virgin. She has everything lined up. Her mother will be taken care of. If her husband passes away, they've got her set for life. Have you ever made plans and knew everything was set for life? The person that you're going to be with, the college that you're going to go to, the degree that you're going to pursue, the job that you're going to get when you get out. And she never asked God anything. She was just living life the way that she thought she was supposed to. And while there's nothing inherently wrong with that, I'm glad that there was a divine interruption because many of us are just like her. We have life planned out, and we want God to bless our lives, but we really don't want him to be Lord of our lives. Because if he is Lord of our lives, something might change with our comfort. Something might change with the way people see us. Something might change in the trajectory of what we decide to do or how much money we make or our aspirations changing or our dreams changing. But for her, it wasn't just her life changing. Everything that she's ever known about herself is now in question. And I can remember my divine interruption when I was serving as a young adult minister, and I was just actually just not even entitled in, in of a minister. I was just serving. And I had a divine interruption one night when God said he called me to preach. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> I, you do know I'm a girl. <laughs> you do know that people build entire doctrine around me not doing this. And I'm black. <laughs> Excuse me. God, I think you got the wrong person. So I can imagine Mary sitting here with her life planned out, having a husband that she's connected to, but they haven't been able to consummate their marriage. It seems pretty crazy that this divine interruption would ask her, to be misunderstood, to be shamed, and, and for people to think that she's actually done something wrong. Are you willing to let God divinely interrupt your life even though you'll be misunderstood? That your reputation may not ever get back intact the way you had it before. You see, for me, I knew the stigmas behind being a black female pastor. Oh, trust me, in our culture, that meant you lord over men. That meant you must not like anybody, and you have to make a name for yourself, and you have to become something that you're not. To be subject to somebody else's opinion when my calling was divine, that's definitely an interruption to my plans, because I could have been a pastor's wife. I could have been the person that sits in the small groups and, and decorates the table. And there's nothing wrong with that. But guess what? God said, no, ma'am. I actually want you to do more than that. And the tension that you have with saying, what if people don't know that I'm sincere? What if people don't know I cried for hours asking God to let me do something else so that I could keep my friends? Wow. 
What if you knew that I was worried about even having a husband? Trust me, I got called at 25. I just got married last year. I turned 36 next month. Do y'all hear me? You sacrifice a lot of your life with divine interruptions because I knew I was going to be married by 27 with two kids. <laughs> you talking about having life planned out. I knew what my life was going to look like. But can I tell you, because of divine interruptions, the beauty of what God can create is better than anything you will settle for in your own plans. So when we take a look at this passage in Luke chapter 1, I want to get to the part that I was at when God divinely interrupted me in verse 29. Um, he's already come. The angels already come with a greeting. And it says, Mary was greatly troubled and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I'm there. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I'm with her. I'm wrestling with God just like that. Like, how was this actually going to work? I've got my life planned out. I know exactly what I want to do. And you're telling me to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit when I'm already about to be married to somebody and we're not supposed to be intimate for another year, but I'm going to be showing. We always just magnify this story and not think about, that's pretty crazy. For God to ask her to look like she slipped up and messed up. For God to ask her to be subject to ridicule and shame. But that's because we don't realize that people who don't know God don't see these type of things as divine. We, we don't expect the world to really see things through our lens, do we? Because we know that when God does something, it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else around you. It's what God has for you that matters and what God has spoken to you. If it's been confirmed, it doesn't matter what they say, but we'll get into that. So because I love how God is so good to us, and he tells us, you know, don't be afraid. He really does mean it's going to be okay. You're about to live an unconventional life that is unexplained, but because it's divine, it's always going to be beautiful, and she will never carry that shame because this is God's plan. When God divinely interrupts, he covers your reputation. He brings people around you that will support you. He'll make it worth your while, trust me. If I would have ever stepped away from this opportunity, I would have been deeply grieved. But I'm glad I responded to his divine interruption. So let's go on in verse 35 because I want to keep going through this. She asked the question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And then the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Son of God. Here's my next point. If God divinely interrupts you, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to produce in you what God is calling out of you. See, Mary just had to be a willing vessel. She didn't have any other part to play in the conception of this child other than making herself available for the Holy Spirit to do in her what God had called. The same is true for you. If God gives you a divine interruption and you're wondering how this will be, it's by the Holy Spirit. Not only will the Holy Spirit conceive it, but he'll allow it to grow in you and it will birth 
from you because of the Holy Spirit. And this is so that the distinction can be made between your efforts and God's divine presence. See, this is so God would begin all the credit for what is happening in this moment. No man could take ownership of this birth. No man can take ownership of what God is placing in you. No man can take ownership of what God is birthing in you that he's called you to do when he divinely interrupts you. This is only between you, God, and the spirit that is empowering the thing that he's given you. So don't be afraid because the Lord will do in you and through you what you never thought was possible. He will literally do the impossible just as he did for Mary. And it says that this child to be born will be called holy. What is the angel letting her know? Your reputation is not on the line. You may be understood, but this is a holy assignment. You may not be received, but this is divine. You may not be welcomed in the town where people knew you, but you will be welcomed in the kingdom of heaven as a citizen with honor. And if that's the most important thing in your life, your stock in heaven is way more important than what people think about you in the streets. What you do for God, when you really allow yourself to lay down your life and say, do whatever you want to do. Ladies, I had to say, even if it means I won't be married for another 10 years, even if it means I'll start a family in my late 30s, I'll trust you that because this is your divine plan, I'm not going to miss a moment. That my wedding day will just be as special as somebody who's 25. And it was. Because God had a purpose for my interruption. He was developing something in me that I needed for my future. And if I let him just plan my life, I would find that it was full even though it looked different. You don't know how many times <laughs> during my divine interruption, people came up to me and said, we're praying for you. <laughs> they felt so sorry for me. <laughs> and I thought, thanks for the prayers, but I hope what you're praying is, is that I'm tearing it up for the kingdom because that's my prayer. <laughs> I hope your prayer for me is that I grow in my confidence that no matter if I'm misunderstood or if people don't understand why God has used me, that I'll still say yes to your call even though people don't believe in it. That's what you pray for. Because <laughs> the man's going to come, but the man Christ has already called me. I'm already his bride and we got work to do. And I believe that that's what happens when we truly say, God, take my life. If you don't hear anything else that I say to you, let God lead your life in every single way. No matter what it looks like, you will never regret it. I am a living testimony of an unconventional life because of a divine interruption that changed things for me in a beautiful way. And if I would have written my book, it would be so boring. <laughs> I would have made all the safe choices. I would have done all the things that everybody else expected me to do and lost sight of the beauty of God and his creativity and how wonderful he is at writing our story. If we just trust him, just trust him. And even when we don't, he goes one step above and he says, all right, I'll send you somebody who's already had a divine interruption as well. Later on in the text, in verse 36, it says, Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. 
This is what I love about divine interruptions. When you're afraid and you think you're the only one, God will say, actually, I've already done an impossible work in someone else who's a little further developed than you. I love that. He said, Mary, you ain't the first person that got pregnant through an impossibility. Matter of fact, your own cousin. She's conceived a child, and she's supposed to be barren. And she's a little bit further along than you. So when you have a divine calling, look for the people who are a little bit further along than you that are carrying something that was impossible before God showed up so that you can be encouraged. See, he's just that good. He could have left Mary right at that point and said, you don't believe me? It's fine. I'll go find another one. <laughs> but he didn't do that. He was like, I believe in you so much. I'm going to give you the things that will help comfort you to keep going forward. I'm going to bring somebody that's already connected to your life into your focus so that you can see I'm working on behalf of you and many others for my plan to go forth. And if we are partnering with someone who's a little farther along than us, who's had an impossibility that God has intervened in, it gives us courage. It gives us perspective. I think it helped Mary see this is bigger than me. This is not just about my inconveniences. This is not just about my discomfort. This is about humanity. This is about the whole world receiving a great gift. Mm. Because verse 37 says, I'm telling you these things for that nothing will be impossible with God. He was like, I need you to be acquainted with my personhood. I need you to be aware of the type of God that I am. I'm the type of God with no limitations. I'm the type of God that has a perfect reputation. I'm the type of God that will give you provision with your calling so that you won't be afraid. I'll give you a person that you can look to so that you can walk with them and you won't be alone. I'm not the type of God that asks you to do something without the empowering presence of the Spirit, the authority that I've given you, and a person who already believes. This is the type of God that's divinely interrupting your life. He really got you. <laughs> I believe that with all my heart. He takes care of you. He has the whole plan figured out, not just the piece of it that you're uncomfortable with. Let me say that again. Not just the piece that you're uncomfortable with does he have figured out, but beyond your emotions, beyond your fears, he has provision, first by his spirit, then by a further developed person who's going through what you're going through. It says in verse 38, after the angel puts everything into perspective that this divine calling comes with the Holy Spirit empowerment and a mentor, she finally says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. At this point, Mary now feels assured God's really figured this whole thing out. And I can say yes to this. And I encourage you to look for the signs of God's provision and what he's called you to do in your life. You will see them every time. See, I think it's important to look at these type of narratives and these type of exchanges, not only so that we can be inspired by the people who had the encounter, but so that we can know the heart of the God who's calling us. I see the care of the Lord all in this passage what links he's willing to go to make sure that we understand that this is a safe yes. This is not a yes that will bring you danger. This is not a yes that will leave you comfortless. This is not a yes that will leave you without direction. This is a yes that comes with divine empowerment and people who will support you that go through the same things you're going through. Because when you are carrying something that seems impossible, you need a buddy. 
That's what this community is. You guys are supposed to spurn each other to the things of God and be able to look to your right and left and see something's being birthed in your friend. And instead of you being upset that they're further developed, be excited because that means God is faithful. See, I think Mary needed to see Elizabeth because she hadn't seen the word of the Lord produced like that before. Sometimes we need that person that's further along to remind us that the same God that's doing the work in them is doing the work in me because she hasn't even seen the change. She's not far enough to feel the kick. She, she has to believe just the word alone because her body hasn't even changed to the point where she can even know when it's happening. Does that resonate? Have you ever had something that you knew God called you to do but nothing changed yet? Have you ever known you were sure you were supposed to be doing something, but nobody else can see it but you? Look for the person who's further along. Look for the person who's already been birthing that thing and going through the challenges and the excitement and the joy of it and stay close to them because nobody else will understand. It won't make sense to anybody else, only to the people who said yes to a divine interruption. Amen. So it says in verse 39, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, I love this. Elizabeth was further along in her journey, but she actually needed Mary to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because Mary was the one that got filled first. Because she saw Mary... She was able to be more encouraged. She was able to get excited. She was able to see the connection to Mary's divine interruption with her own. She was able to feel the presence of God because Mary said yes to something that was much bigger than her situation, but she knew they were connected. What if the person that's further along than you is waiting on your yes to be excited about what God is doing in them? You see how it works both ways? We all need each other. Sometimes the person is carrying something and they don't have the confidence, so they need the Spirit of God in you to get excited so they can get excited. And it can come to a place of reality that we are doing something great. We are doing something bigger than what we could have imagined. Think about Mary. I always consider this. She thought she was a plain Jane, basic girl, could never do anything extraordinary. She was okay with the trajectory that her life was on, but I bet she never imagined that God would divinely step in and give her an incredible gift. But when she was afraid, God showed her the people that she could be connected to that are walking through the same path, that are, are still on the same road to seeing something come out of nothing. I think one of the biggest killers of us having divine interruption is disqualification and feeling inadequate. To think, why would God use me? And he comes in in those moments, not to just disrupt your life, but to disrupt your mindset, to reestablish your worth. Because everything that he wanted to do in the earth, he desired to do through us. We are his agents of change in the world, and all of us have value in that. So why not use a 14-year-old girl that already had her life planned out that thought she would be nothing more to do a great miracle? Why not take people like us who've walked through life, who've thought, ah, I could do some cool things, but maybe not. 
and saying, I divinely interrupt your life to tell you, you are infinitely more important than you ever realized. That's our God. And that's what he does. So it goes on to say in verse 41 that when Elizabeth heard the greeting, she was filled with the spirit. And then in verse 42, it says she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And, mm, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Do you hear this encouragement? When somebody is further along than you and they can see the beauty of what God is birthing in you, there's nothing like it. When I was a young preacher, I had never even written a sermon before in my life. Having those people who were connected to me to say, you're going to be amazing. God's going to use you in such powerful ways. And all I could keep thinking is, I'm a girl. <laughs> like, I, while I was just like, and I'm not experienced, and I didn't go to Bible school, while the, while the disqualification and all these things are going on in my mind, those Elizabeths were in my life looking beyond what I could see and prophesying, you are blessed by God to be used. What an honor it is for you to be chosen by God and for them to see the value of what's coming from me. Just like Elizabeth saw the value that was coming from Mary. It is so incredible to see God's love poured out through people who are a little bit farther along than us. Your leaders, your pastors, your teachers, the people that are pushing you forward. We're not just blowing smoke. We got better vision than you because we've been carrying ours a little longer than you. We've already felt ours kick. We've already felt the, the, the joy that comes from serving God. We've already been there so we can see things that you can't see. We can believe things for you that you can't believe in yourself yet. But if you choose to receive that encouragement, your journey will be a lot lighter. If you can believe what God believes about you, you'll change the world. If you can actually sit under people who will encourage you and push you beyond what you think you deserve to do or that you're capable of doing, you'll go much farther. Community is provision from God to fulfill your calling. Leadership is, is a kiss from heaven to say, I know you can't see you, but I see you. The people in your life who get excited about what God is birthing in you, that's God's way of showing you he made no mistake. What he called you to, he trusts you. We never sit back and think about Mary never having been a mother before that she would raise the son of God. What kind of God trusts a 14-year-old girl to raise the savior of the world? The kind who believes in what he placed in you and the spirit that enables you. See, he trusts himself infinitely more. And so if he's involved, he knows whether or not you believe it, he's gonna do it. Aren't you glad your belief doesn't stop God's plan? I am. <laughs> There are so many times where I thought, God, you should just go a different route. You should just use a different person. Wouldn't it be easier for you to get your word out in different spaces if you didn't use my skin, if you didn't use my gender? And God was like, no. That was the answer. <laughs> he just said, no. <laughs> he was like, what man defines as value, I see the heart. 
what people will try to disqualify you and tell you you're capable of, they forgot about his Holy Spirit. See, I don't do this from my own ability, from my own strength. This comes from the Holy Spirit leading me. This comes from the Holy Spirit letting me see something so beautiful in a passage of Scripture and say, I hope you see this, but if you don't see this, you see it now, and you can't unsee it. Which means when you leave here, you have to do whatever God divinely interrupted you to do, and you have no excuses, because you're not 14. You're not a little girl. <laughs> you're grown people. <laughs> and so in those moments, you're like, man, this is encouraging, but also convicting, because if a 14-year-old girl that didn't have a future can be connected to the salvation of the world, <laughs> can raise the Son of God, you can do what you were called to do. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead not only lives in you, but empowers you. And the God of impossible things says, I could do it myself, but I want to use you. We always forget that. God chooses to intertwine humanity into his divine design because of love. He made us to co-labor with him when he could do it himself. And just when you thought you weren't good enough, he places people who are along further than you to say, let's go. Get excited about who you are. Get excited about what God is birthing in you. Get happy. Understand that you are blessed. Understand that you are favored among many to do anything that the divine creator says do. After she shares this, I sat there for a minute. And I thought, I wonder at this point, does Mary still feel blessed? Because she's still got to go back home. She's still got to start showing. She's still got to go back to her betrothed and tell him what happened. We know God took care of that, but she don't know in this passage. We don't know that she's actually talked to Joseph. I wish that he would have put that in there to let me know. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm always like, no, why you didn't put that part in there? I don't think he probably knew at this time. <laughs> That's probably why she went to Elizabeth's house. Like, wait now. <laughs> I got a man waiting on me. He's going to have some questions. <laughs> and at this point, I think, man, she still is here with this thing. What is she going to do? And what has hurt my heart so much, and this is the last part that I'm going to share, is that we never read Mary's song of praise. I ain't going to say we don't. I'm going to say I don't. I put myself on blast. I've read this story over and over and over, and I'd be like, oh, Mary's praise, that's cute. And I just, you know, I was like, I'm glad she can praise. Oh, okay, next. You know, and I would go to chapter two, and I was like, wait a minute, God. After everything that Mary's going through, her life's been divinely interrupted. She's been asked to do something that's going to change her reputation. She sees somebody who's further along than her, but Elizabeth is still married, and she had a husband, so, like, hers is cute. Mary's is messy. <laughs> that's cute. You was bearing old miracle. You, you look like you messed up. And she's still got to go home. And I'm thinking, why have we not ever read her song of praise? The song of praise is the key to staying in your calling when people don't understand you. The song of praise is the key to when eventually you do have to leave Elizabeth's house where you're understood and go back home 
to the naysayers, to the haters, to the people who will shame you, to the people who won't understand what God has placed on you because it doesn't make sense. You need this praise to get through your whole nine months. You need this praise when you try to walk in the streets and people keep whispering stuff about you. You need this praise when all the friends that you had turn their back on you because they don't know you anymore. You need this praise to keep reminding yourself until you feel that baby kick that there's one in there. You have to continue to remind yourself of what God has told you when you get divinely interrupted and you're misunderstood. So let's, let's look at what she says. Verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary has not given birth to this child. We don't even know if Mary went back home yet. But what is she doing with her praise? She is prophesying that her reputation will not be ruined. She is reminding herself that God still uses humble young women who feel like they only have one trajectory in life. She's telling herself the truth about what God has said because she knows somebody else is going to tell her something different. Mary is prophesying in her own life before she can even feel this baby. She's reminding herself that this was a divine appointment, that this is not shameful because she will go back to a place where people will misunderstand that to be true. This is probably the most powerful part of the passage, that Mary is convinced I'm being used by God and nothing is at stake. Even if they don't understand, they will still call me blessed, which means your naysayers will eventually be your praisers once they see what God is doing. That means the people who once disqualified you will have no choice but to eat their words because when the Spirit of God uses you, it's undeniable. I haven't heard too many people tell me not to be a preacher. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit has confirmed what they cannot say anything against. And Mary had to tell herself, I got to keep speaking this over myself every month that I'm carrying this baby. Every time somebody looks at me in the streets, I've got to remember this is divine. This is God. No matter what it looks like, this is God. She goes on to say, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. Even in my inconvenience, I can praise God because his plan is bigger than my comfort. She's saying, I'm still blessed even if we do have to move out of town or we have to go somewhere else or if people don't ever look at us like a normal family again. Are you okay with God divinely interrupting you in a way where you don't look like the same person to people for the rest of your life? Because God might just call you to a calling that causes that. He might just call you to something where you just have to say, I know I'm going to be misunderstood, but I got to keep going because I'm blessed by God. I'm favored by him. This is something that I know I'm supposed to do. The Holy Spirit has confirmed it. He's using me. I have my community. Forget the rest of those people. I don't need that. All I need is the assurance of God over and over again. She probably had to say this every night, every day, every time she was ever in public. Who knows? But she had the praise to keep her when nothing else could, when she could not be consoled. This that she's speaking over herself is keeping her in her calling. 
says in verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Mary is saying, yeah, he's even going to convict you for talking bad about me. Because you're going to find out I was right. That this baby did come from God. And that I didn't do anything wrong. And as soon as Jesus comes and reveals himself, you're going to know this was no mistake. My reputation is not at stake. But she has to prophesy it now before she sees it. She has to declare it now before it's a reality. She hasn't felt this baby kick. And it just shows how beautiful her faith is and that she knows the power of her praise in the moments where she's discouraged. It says, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This last part of her praise, she gets her scope a lot wider. She realizes, I'm a part of the prophecy being fulfilled. I'm a part of bringing the Messiah that we've all heard about into the world. I realize that when the, our forefathers were foretelling of a moment that God has divinely placed me in the center of that, now her courage is rising because she realizes that what she's carrying in her is bigger than her. She sees the scope of humanity being forever changed. She sees the house of Israel being restored and her family being restored as they've always heard they would be. And she gets to be a part of it. And so do we. As carriers of the gospel, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than our convenience. It's bigger than our comfort. It's bigger than our reputation. These are lives on the line that the more we walk in our divine calling, the more we can see dead live again. The more we accept the divine interruptions that God brings us, the more we get to see the beauty of his kingdom being established. People who were broken being healed. Who cares if you don't like what you see as long as you hear about the love of Jesus? Who cares if you don't think I'm qualified? As long as the people who believe in the word of the Lord are changed, I have to say these praises to God. I have to prophesy about what my life can be for God because I know I'll be misunderstood. I know people won't believe that I'm qualified or called, but I have to do what God divinely interrupted me to do. And I praise him that I can see the big picture. I can look beyond what I see in the mirror and know that it's the Holy Spirit in me that's doing this work. And it doesn't matter if you agree. It doesn't matter if it's okay with you. Take it up with God. And we have to have that type of boldness. We have to have that type of passion to say, if you divinely interrupt my life in any way, it is infinitely better than anything I could have done no matter how inconvenient it is, no matter how misunderstood I am, no matter how unconventional my life might be, I say yes to you, God. I will forever be inspired and challenged by the life of Mary, but I can tell you before your calling, you had another divine interruption. That when you were broken, when you were in sin, when you were blind to the love of God, he stepped in. I don't know who he divinely used to show you his love, but that interruption alone is worth laying down your life for him because he did it first.
He divinely interrupted the path that your life was going into destruction and offered you the marvelous life with him. He invited you into a loving space where you could be cleansed of unrighteousness and you could actually see who you were supposed to be in his original intent. And because of that divine interruption, God can divinely interrupt me anytime he wants. Because I know that before this moment, I was in a pit. Before this moment, I was broken in shame, not believing that there was any value to my life. And just like he stepped in for you, he stepped in for me. He changed things, not by our might, not by our power, but by his spirit so that we could go and divinely interrupt the lives of the people around us so that they can experience the same loving God we know that stopped at nothing to win us over, to redeem us back to him, to give us the life that he desired for us. And it's worth it. It's worth it for God to divinely interrupt your life, no matter what it looks like. I thank God that I didn't believe the lies that I was telling myself. That somehow he brought people around me who were a little bit farther along, who were already developing to see something in me that the Holy Spirit was already doing, but I just refused to see. I'm thankful that what people think about me and my reputation for what I do doesn't matter in comparison to the stock of heaven that I'm investing in. There will be people that have come to know Christ from the most unconventional ways because I accepted an unconventional life and an unconventional calling because I refused to believe that I wasn't enough anymore because that was the enemy trying to intimidate me from being everything that God destined for me. God always knew he was going to choose Mary. <laughs> he always knew he was going to choose you. There's no backup. There's no plan B. Nobody can serve God the way you do it. You're as unique as he destined for you to be, to do what only you can do. I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you're inspired. I hope that you don't let anyone talk you out of the divine disruptions that God will place in your life along the way. He may call you to reach people that you've never been connected to before. He may tell you to go to nations that you thought you could never go to. He may tell you to love your family in ways that you don't think they deserve. Whatever the divine interruption is, my encouragement is to do it. You will never feel more fulfilled than when you say yes to God and to his plan for you. Amen? Amen. I just want to pray. <laughs> I don't know if that was heavy for you. Like, I told a lot of my life. And I wanted to do that so that I could let you know you are not alone. I'm your Elizabeth. I had an impossibility. I had a divine interruption. I'm a little bit further along in my journey, but I know what it's like to be confused and wish that God would give you something easier to do that people could understand. Poster child. Proud. But I will say the joy that I've had for every divine interruption has been worth it, even though I've been inconvenienced. I've lost friends, comfort. I've had people misjudge me, disqualify me, 
but the Holy Spirit that is at work to do his will is moving on, and I'm going with him. I encourage you to do the same. If you've missed your interruption, he's still knocking. If you were afraid before, he's placing people around you. He brought me all the way here from Georgia to compel you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God, we thank you so much that in our weakest moments where we were broken, you divinely interrupted our lives, not to give us something to do, <laughs> but for you to do the work in us, to change us, to cleanse us, to heal us, to restore us, to reconcile us back to you. And because of that, we are forever changed. Lord God, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for your love. I thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord God. Your life for our life, God. We will never understand why you love us so much, but we are grateful. Lord God, my prayer tonight is that every person who has considered walking away from you just like the rich young ruler will change their direction. That they will say yes to your divine interruption that they will say yes to what you have placed in their hearts that they cannot deny and they will not run from it based on what other people will think of them, based on inconvenience, based on lack of comfort. Lord God, but they will see the bigger picture that's beyond them, that there's a world of broken people that need your love just like we need your love. Lord God, that there's a kingdom that's advancing that's much greater than anything that we could suffer. Lord God, because we see the end, you win. So God, give every person in this room the courage to respond to the divine interruption that you've already given them. Give them the grace, Lord God, to do exactly what you've called them to do by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give them a person who's further along in development that can encourage them and speak life into the things that they can't see manifest yet, God. And also show them your heart is to completely take care of them in every way. For everything they think they've lost, you've got infinitely more for them. Everything that they sacrifice, there's that much more of a blessing from you. Lord God, I pray that these people in this room will be committed to saying yes to you no matter what. That we will not just say we give our lives to you in word, but that we will follow the conviction and actually live it no matter what it looks like. God, we give you permission to divinely interrupt us anytime so that we can see people come to know you, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be spread everywhere we go. We praise you, God, that every naysayer who's discouraged us, every person who's told us that we shouldn't do what we're doing or, or disqualified us in any way based on their own fears or based on their own misgivings, will we silence those voices so that you can confirm you made no mistake what you have destined for us, you will empower and you will protect it. In Jesus' name, amen.